the reason why I wrote this book is because I am a CPA. I love what I do, and I really appreciate accountants who do amazing work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this program. Well, for this week's show, we have a guest that has her own podcast as well. She's the author of Dear Accountant, a book you can find on Amazon, and has a business that provides CFO services for growing organizations. Cecilia Lung, or Cece as she prefers, joined us for this show. Cece was born in Hong Kong, lived in Canada for several years, and then moved around a fair amount between New York, Boston, the United Kingdom, and even some time back in Hong Kong while building her career. After acquiring all that knowledge from mega corporations to a startup financial services firm, she ended up deciding to use that experience to serve other growing organizations in her own business, the Entrepreneur CFO. And as if that wasn't enough to keep her busy, she also hosts a podcast, like I mentioned before, with the purpose of helping accountants get the skill sets they need to build their careers. Cece doesn't sit still for long, for sure. She's very accomplished, and now she also focuses her time specifically on the endeavors that she enjoys. What a beautiful thing. I know you're really going to enjoy this episode. And if you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, you can learn more about us by visiting my author page on Amazon. I've got a few books out there. Just search for Mark Goldman on Amazon. We have a few books for accounting professionals and employers of accounting professionals that can help you in your daily professional life. And as always, seriously, if there's anything that I can do for you in your own career or for any accounting organizations that you may be involved in, please reach out to me as well. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's this week's guest. You're really going to enjoy this. Here's Cece Lung. Well, hello, Cece. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. This will be fun for both of us. Well, for today, we have a very interesting guest joining us. Cecilia, or Cece Lung, in New York is joining us for today's show, and her background is extremely interesting. First of all, her career starts more in the investments accounting and finance and capital markets areas. And then when we get to the present time later on, you're going to hear about the podcast that she runs, as well as her recent published book, Dear Accountant. I just love that title. I found that part very intriguing. And that's not to mention everything in the middle that we're going to talk about along the way as Cece's career has progressed over the years. Well, Cece, before we get to the present time, let's make sure we do cover your overall journey in some detail because that's always very interesting. What led you to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the early days? (laughs) Wow. How long do we have? (laughs) I can't believe it's been like two decades since I started my career. So I was born and raised in Hong Kong, and I moved to Canada when I was 16. So my cultural upbringing and values has a lot to do with how I made my career decision. So you see, in our culture, what's considered success is you either own a business or you become professional. So for me, it's either becoming an investment banker, attorneys, accountants, engineers, or doctors. So when I graduated from University of Toronto with a business degree in finance and economics, I was clueless. 
So I thought, okay, maybe adding a CPA credentials would look great on my resume and open up a lot more opportunities. And it certainly did. And so I kind of got into accounting by accident, really. So when I graduated, like really all I wanted to do was to find a stable job, make money, pay off my student loan, be independent and travel. And while I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do, I knew that building my knowledge, skills, and experience and expertise would eventually make me a lot of money. (laughs) So I started my first job with a Boston mutual fund company doing fund accounting. And over the past two decades, I've worked for different sizes of different companies. So work for the big four, global financial institutions like JP Morgan, mid-sized firms, startup companies, and each experience are unique on its own. And most of my work is a mix of what we call BAU, so business as usual, which really is just daily responsibilities and project roles. So which makes each role very interesting. And even within the same company, I was constantly rotated to other groups or international assignments. So I felt like I've probably had like a hundred jobs up to this day, right? And of course, there were never ending financials or economic crisis over the course of my career, or at least it felt that way. And of course, the reason one just kind of pushed me to start my own company, so which has been one of the best things ever happened to me. Wow. Wow. Oh, I just love it when you say when you got out of school, you know, you just wanted to pay your bills, travel and make some money. I mean, that, that sounds like the desire of every college student, you know, every graduating college student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Well, gosh, that's, that is a lot to unpack. I mean, you, there's a lot of things I want to cover in there. I definitely want to get to what you're doing now, but I want to make sure we cover the steps in the middle because there's a lot of good information, got a lot of good learning opportunity there. Going back to sort of the beginning, I guess, how did you get your first job out of college? Was it more an internship or did you have to work hard to find it? How did you get that opportunity? Yeah, I really found it through the career center in school. So back in the day, still a job day with Monster.com. And so I applied for tons of management training jobs there worldwide. Really, like I didn't care. I just wanted to get a job. And I wanted to get into financial services, mostly driven by money and the glamour of Wall Street. And mutual funds were pretty hot at that time, back in 2003. So I joined this Boston Mutual Fund Company called Investor Bank and Trust, and they were later acquired by State Street. So the training was very good because it taught me, you know, like I first just got out of school, really know nothing. I mean, I did a lot of part-time jobs or, yeah, internships in the financial services when I was in school, but like the actual full-time job training was very different and taught me a lot of things about end-to-end process of daily trading. So I learned a lot about fund accounting, compliance, investor services. So the first six months was really good, eye-opening. But after that, it just became very repetitive and I was so bored and they couldn't give me more because it's almost like they can assign you more funds to look after, but it's almost feel the same thing. And the firm was very generous at the time and they sponsored me to do the postgrad program at UC Berkeley. And so I kind of took all the advantage of what a big firm would offer me. And of course I did that program that the company paid for. And I eventually realized that this has been a great learning experience, but this could not be a long-term path for me because I was still 20 something. I wanted to see more. So (laughs) I left after 18 months 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, that does sound like the kind of position that seems very interesting in the beginning, and then it can come, become repetitive You after you learn what you're doing. Okay, okay. I am curious, so let's walk forward in your career from mm-hmm. that point, and I don't know if we've already passed this, but I'm curious when you got your CPA certification, because you mentioned that you did that to move your career forward, so I'm curious at what point that was as well. So let's go forward from there. Yeah, so I got my CPA. So I actually took the exam right after I finished college, but mm. I couldn't. So I need my two years of experience to be able to get my license. So I got my license around when I left this first job and moved back to Hong Kong to join EY. And initially, you know, like joining, I always resist the idea of joining the big four because when I was in college or all my life, really, I heard all the horror story about working in the big war, working 24 <laughs> seven. And so I really didn't want to join the big four. But then I also know that, you know, is one of the jobs that would allow you to get a lot of different experience, like be exposed to a lot of different clients, industry and companies. So at the time, back then in 2005, everyone was talking about the rise of China. And what better way to see China than to work and travel there? So I decided to move back to Hong Kong, which is where I was originally from. And I joined ENY in their China market group. So back then, it was such a great time for businesses, right? Because a lot of companies in China wanted to go public. And so I was assigned to work in a lot of different IPO readiness projects. So what that is, is really when a company wants to go public. So you basically have to have the past three years clean financial, which a lot of companies don't have before you can even file equivalent S1 here. So that's, that's kind of what I was assigned to do. Go to China, go to these companies. And most of the companies back then in China were manufacturing companies. So a lot of like manufacturing consumer goods. So I was there for a year and nine months of the 12, I was traveling. And most of my 12 to 18 hour stay were in factory, <laughs> in the storage room. Because like I was a junior person back then. So there's really nothing glamorous about it. So again, most of my 20 to 18 hours a day were in factories, in the storage room, looking through these dusty boxes to find supporting documents or marking up contracts, faxing stuff. I'm not sure if people can relate, but we're talking about 2005. Back in the days, a lot of things feel very manual, and we had the fax machine. <laughs> so... <laughs> So after that, like I was there for a year, you know, obviously working at Big Four is a lot of hard work. You learn so much and get the experience and exposure. And I often talk about, you know, experience working at Big Four is kind of like learning Kung Fu, right? They don't teach you all the fancy moves right away, but they trade you all the foundational essential stuff, like calm your mind, focus, and breathing. And it's the same thing as working in a Big Four in a public accounting, because they teach you a lot of details, all the foundational stuff, which is, you know, attention to details, being organized, finding solutions to problems. And of course, when I was a junior person, I didn't understand all that. I was just actually just asking myself so many times, why? am I doing all this grunt work? That's not what I went to college for, right? But then I decided to stick it out. And I'm so glad I did because I realized when I move along my career, those are really the foundational stuff that I needed. I had such a strong foundational knowledge about a lot of different things. Be able to take me forward 
to continue to navigate and solve more complex problems as I move along my career. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just I'm picturing you in a factory somewhere in China going through boxes all dusty and putting something in a fax machine. And yeah, it's hard to believe, but that wasn't all that long ago <laughs> that that was the, the reality. Oh my gosh, my gosh. I love that working at the big four is like learning Kung Fu. <laughs> right? You never really know how good you are until you get into a fight. <laughs> I love that. That is too funny. So one of the things that intrigued me about your background also is, and I know there's a couple steps along the way, so I'm not sure what high points you want to hit on, but it looks like you got into a controller role pretty early in your career, maybe around 30 years old-ish, something like that, maybe in your 20s. So I guess, how did you get that first controller opportunity? Yeah, so my first controller role was in J.P. Morgan Private Bank. So the controller title in financial institution was slightly different than in a private company. So when I was in J.P. Morgan Private Bank, I was a fund controller managing all the different investment funds. So I wasn't the only fund controller. There were several others in each investment platform. So I have a lot of support. But when I moved to a startup, oh my God, yeah, I was a controller, I was the VP, but I was the only CPA in the firm. So oh. that's when I realized how sheltered I have been in a big firm. Because when you think about like a global firm, there's tons of resources available globally. Like all you need is ask. But in a small firm, oh my God, there's like all these constant problem and you constantly got thrown into fire. But I think that's also the fun part and the most fulfilling part, really. I mean, of course, it wasn't fun at the time, but in hindsight, you know, that's where you grow when you really get out of your comfort zone and really, really, really think about, okay, how you can use what you've learned before to really figure things out on your own. Or maybe like at the time, of course, I remember I came across this problem while doing the acquisition in a small firm. And I was the only CPA really, like really no one could help me in the firm. And so I started to reach back out to my network of like 100 CPAs on my LinkedIn. Of course, a few got back to me and we still couldn't figure it out. So talk about like the controller role. I think the first six months, or I was going to say the first six months was really tough because of the culture. But I think the first six months or the first 90 days for any new job was a challenge anyway. But specifically when you transition from a big firm to a small firm, when I say big firm, we're almost kind of going by two extreme here, right? You're talking, so when I transitioned from a global firm to a very small startup with probably we're talking about less than 100 people (laughs) and the accounting team at at the time is like three people, me plus another two freelance. (laughs) And I think it was really tough in many aspect. And one of those is the culture because people mindset are different. And you try to, you know, obviously at the time, I remember I came in and have this big vision. Yes, I'm going to, you know, instill all the best practices here. And, you know, I have this big vision. We're going to grow big and do amazing things, right? And of course, like when you think about other people looking at me, it's like, okay, like we're busy here, you know, like people might not share your big vision right away. So obviously it, it takes time to build trust and relationships. But at the same time, again, I'm talking about back in the first 90 days or six months, 
you still need to get a lot of things done. But I think once that learning curve is over and the company has a strong accounting and infrastructure and teams to grow and everyone can breathe a little bit better, that's when the company or the team can really focus on more about growth opportunities like acquisitions, buying companies, partnership opportunities, getting investors, getting a strong line of credit, analytics to tell the stories to our investors and board members. So I've been in a startup for five years and it really has been a super fun journey well of course like when i left they were no longer a startup but you really when you think about from where i stepped into seeing kind of like a skeleton team and when i left building like a team for different locations it was very fulfilling experience would you like to know more about that startup was it in the financial arena as well? Or I guess, what did they do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they totally aligned with what I've been doing with investment funds and also in the lending space. So they are what we call alternative lending company. So basically, when you think about it, the traditional lending takes a long time. Just think about when people apply for mortgage. It takes months to get the application and approval process and all that. And these alternative lending companies, their turnaround and approval time can be as soon as 24 to 48 hours. And of course, like their interest rate is much higher because they have to adjust for account for the risk. So the client that we serve really are the small business because small business often call up, often get overlooked by traditional banks and they have a hard time getting a bank loan from the traditional bank. So what happens is most, most of the time when people come to us is because they have a prospect. For example, there might be a company who have this prospect to, let's just say, you know, they, they're a cupcake company. <laughs> they have this prospect, like big events to ask them to do stuff for this company. But they really have no money to do all the work. But they know that they'll make money from this particular assignment. So they usually go to alternative lending company to get the bank loan and just to just to make sure they have what they need and later on pay back. So that's kind of how it works. Okay. Okay. I'm just curious because this, this career growth is one of the topics we talk about a lot on the show. As you mm-hmm. moved from large corporations into, as you mentioned, the only CPA role, the only controller role at this startup, and as you got into that, with that level of responsibility, was there anything you found yourself having to quickly learn or, or any sort of self-development you found that you need to do, do on your own in order to feel comfortable in that role? The biggest thing for me is really to be a leader. Like to, when I say to be a leader, it might sound intuitive, but it's not. Specifically, I think it's easier if you, let's say if I was trained in the big four and I just continue to rise up the rank, then I understand what people have gone through. And it's so much easier to manage. But versus when you transition to a completely new company, completely different culture and mindset, it takes extra effort to be a leader. You really have to be empathetic and patient with building relationships with people. Because first of all, it takes time to understand where they come from and why they also resist change. And so I think a lot of times it really humbled me a little because I was thinking, I think I have so much to bring to this company. Let's get to work, right? (laughs) And I can see it in people's eyes, like no one share my excitement. 
at the same time, it was so tough because I also have bosses and board members and investors that I need to manage expectations. So, you know, you try to do a lot of things, you're under a lot of pressure, but at the same time, I didn't get everybody on board with me on day one. So, and it felt a little bit like defeated. I did feel that way at the beginning. I think I kind of slowly learned to really build relationships with people, not just delegate stuff to them and manage them, but really listen to them, kind of their point of view from working in the company for the past five years, you know, what they've seen. And that way to strike a a more meaningful conversation. And I think from there on, things got so much better. Okay. That makes sense. It really is a talent or maybe more appropriately a skill you have to develop to be able to get Mm -hmm. things done through other people, you know, through a team. Because, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't force it. When you try, it ends up worse. (laughs) Your team has to want to accomplish whatever it is that needs to be done. So, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that was probably a big Mm -hmm. lesson to learn, moving such large organizations to a small team. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So... At what point did you start your own company, the Entrepreneur CFO? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. Like, I never thought about starting my own business, like, ever. To this day, it still feels very unreal to me. But I got to say, like, I'm at my best right now in my career right now because that's where I can put everything together and really serve my clients who appreciate and value my work. And I think... I, you know, so I've been running spy hustle for a very long time. So I see a lot of creative and innovative accountants like you who probably can relate what I'm about to say. So many people once said to me, for the person that you are, a full-time job will never be able to fulfill you because all you creative, innovative people need an outlet to channel your creative energy and ideas. So... That's why I always have a side hustle just to keep it fun. And usually how this side hustle comes about is, you know, when you go have conversations with friends and they tell you, yeah, they're starting companies, so is their friends. So, you know, they have all these great ideas. But when you ask them to talk about their numbers, whether they're operationally ready to grow their company, and usually, you know, they either ignore the question, but then it usually hit them at a time when they started to get some traction and get investor expressing interest and say, hey, you know, we're interested in investing in your company. Tell us about your company through numbers, right? That's when they panic and need help. <laughs> so I think that's a lot of opportunities came to me through these different, through my network. And that's when I do a lot of side hustles. So I've been doing it for a long time. Never really felt that it could be a full-time business until, of course, the pandemic changes everything. And little by little, people kept talking about, and the demand was just huge, like for accounting services anyway. And so I think at one point, I just felt like, yeah, maybe I should think about doing it full-time. And that's kind of when it all started. Okay. Okay. I'm curious, what are your thoughts as we come out of the pandemic? Do you still feel the high demand for the services or do you think that that's, mm. that the opportunity is going to be even better? Oh, yeah. I think the opportunities would be even better just because I think as we're rebuilding the economy and we need businesses, we need businesses. And so people would have jobs and then we need people to spend money and all of that building businesses, like none of the business will work without accounting. So 
So, you know, and every business needs accountants. So I think it's going to be a lot of different opportunities. And at the same time, like one of our service that I start building out recently is to serve alternative investment funds. So when you look at alternative investment funds, so we're talking about, you know, the private equity asset management firm, and it's almost the exact opposite of mutual funds because mutual funds is highly regulated. But alternative investment funds are just, it's almost like a mysterious black box. Like a lot of people still don't know what's going on. And then if you if we all remember the Madoff thing happened. And so now the SEC requires a lot more transparency in reporting and all that different things. So even with that area, there's a lot of opportunities because investors, stakeholders, or just the public that demand more transparency in reporting. And it's the same thing for small companies also. You know, investors, when they invest in a small company or in a startup company, they wanted to know the story. So the storytelling part is also very important to be able to, for a company to tell their story through numbers, not just number, but incorporate the different metrics and what's going on in the economy and all that, kind of put it all together to tell their story. Yeah, it is a very valuable service. And as you say, all businesses need accountants. <laughs> it really is one of the most stable careers out there. When a business is making money, they need accountants. When they're losing money, they need accountants worse. So <laughs> it, really, it really is a great career field. So tell me about your podcast and your book, because I'm really curious. I have a couple books myself and obviously run my cast. And frankly, both of them can be very time-consuming endeavors. And so I'm always interested to hear other people's stories. Tell us about your podcast and book and guess why you chose to do both. <laughs> yeah, so I wrote a book and a podcast with the same name. So Dear Accountant Stories, Advice, and Exploration. So just like you with your podcast, right? Because there's nothing out there, nothing like it out there for accountants. And it's something I wish I had when I was younger. So this book was initially written for young professionals that I mentor to share with them my advice to help them navigate their journey because I remember how clueless and overwhelmed I was when I first started out. And I then expanded the scope to bring in 19 other extraordinary leaders in different accounting disciplines to share their journey and inspiring stories. And they talk about in their own words about their backstory, what inspired them, what influenced them, the challenges and obstacles they had to overcome to get to where they were to stay. And the reason why I wrote this book is because I am a CPA. I love what I do. And I really appreciate accountants who do amazing work. But we all know accountants usually don't get a lot of spotlight. And think about it. There's really not enough books or movies that humanize accountants. And we often get so misunderstood by the stereotype. And frankly, most people don't really know what we do. And so usually when you tell people, okay, you're an accountant, and they usually either ask you about taxes, (laughs) as if that's the only thing that we do, right? Or they stay silent because they don't really know what else to say. But then If you really understand what accountants do, like I mentioned so many times, there are like a lot of them. As I come across accountants every day, I think, you know, there's so many creative, innovative, brilliant minds like who are accountants out there, which is exactly what I talk about in this book. It's also kind of what you talk about in your podcast, Mark, like 200 plus episodes. I mean, (laughs) I scroll through all the amazing people featured. I feel like I need to binge listen to all of these to get even like a 
bigger view of accountants and what they do. Well, thank you. I've spent a little time on it. (laughs) Thank you you very much. So is your show, your podcast, is it in format or do you talk about different issues in the industry? Just what can people expect Mm -hmm. to hear if they go listen to Dear Accountant? Yeah, so the podcast with the same name, it really is also for young professionals. So we feel that, like I do it with a producer, so we feel that there's really something missing out there for young professionals. Really, school taught us all amazing technical skills to get us ready to do our work. But as you elevate in your career, as you move up, it's beyond just technical skills. A lot of these essential skills, what differentiates someone from the crowd is really all the other skills like emotional intelligence, how you communicate with people, body language, like network and all that. So that's what we do in our podcast is to invite the, the expert in the field to talk about, especially for young people, I thought about when I was young, I was clueless. I went to a networking event, for example. I didn't even know how to initiate a conversation or build meaningful relationship with people. So that's kind of the thing that we talked about in our podcast. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of need for that. When we're that age, we just don't know what we don't know. And we're so focused on learning the technical aspects. There's, there's a lot of things we miss. So yeah, there is definitely a need for that kind of material. Well, I end every show with the same three questions, and I want to be respectful of your time. And so we're getting to the point where I probably should get to those. The first one's usually the easier one, CC. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Wow. I can think of so many personal moments that I was proud, but I would say if I have to name one of the proudest moments, it's probably those young professionals that I mentored. So I mentored a lot of young female professionals when they first started out. And I remember when they first started out, most of them were very shy and clueless, like I was. <laughs> and I think like through, so throughout the years, I really seen... So I think if, if I have to talk about... So there's several that I was thinking in mind. But I think like all three of them are unique in their own ways. But my proudest moment is really to see them grow and evolve over the years and eventually step into a leadership role and what they could achieve and what they could become as an individual and as a professional to continue to help others. There again, that's important work. That's important work. You can see it when you make a difference. For sure. Well, second question, and this is really more of a request, if you will. Tell us about a lesson that you've learned the hard way in your career or your professional life. And the more you can tell us about that, the better, because that's how we all learn from these situations. Yes, I remember when I first joined the bank, when I first got out of public accounting and joined the bank, I was assigned for a big project. And I, at the time I was mid-level, I really didn't have all the project management skills that I had. And, you know, most of the time, and it's very common to just, you know, got thrown into fire and just, hey, take this project, you know, and everybody expects you to just like run with it. And at the time I was struggling. 
And I didn't want to tell anybody that I had questions. So I pretended that I could handle it, but I was secretly struggling. And again, I didn't want to tell people that I didn't understand. I didn't know what to do. And I was so afraid of what people would think of me or judge me, you know, being incompetent. So, and then eventually, and, and I didn't tell anybody. And eventually like, the stress just got so much. And I think I actually got sick. And in hindsight, I just think that it didn't have to be that way. Only if I asked, like, what's the worst it could come out to be, right? But I think it's because I was so worried about, like, my own image and all that different thing. I think eventually the project obviously would still get done, but it could have been done in a much better way. So I think that's probably the lesson that I learned. Like, I could have been managed the whole thing a lot better. <laughs> yes, I, I can relate. I remember a project I was given my first year in my career. And actually, I had just passed the CPA exam at that point. And I remember sitting down with this project and being totally lost and thinking, but I just passed the exam. I'm supposed to know all this stuff. It was a different industry and I was entirely stressed out. And, and it took me a little while to ask for help too. So yeah, I can definitely relate. Mm. Yeah. You get too deep into that and then it gets even worse, you know? <laughs> you need to ask for help mm-hmm. early. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? <laughs> this might sound funny. It's actually from my mother. Is to breathe and drink water. <laughs> and I wish I kept that in mind, really, because I think it's so important. Like, so often we're so stressed. We're, like, just rolling with things. Like, we're running around. Like, we really forgot. We really forget to breathe. And really, most of the time, you know, when I was, like, so stressed out, people was, like, telling me to breathe. I was like, what? It's until you finally calm down, you can think with a clear mind. Otherwise, you're, like, just rolling with the chaos. It's not cool. <laughs> and yeah, also drink water, you know, so not coffee, but water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless moms, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the best advice in the world. Gotta love it. So. It is so important, right? <laughs> yes. Well, this has been a fun conversation, Cece. Thank you so much. If people want to find your book, Dear Accountant, or your podcast, Dear Accountant, I guess, where would you point them online? Where's the best place to look? Yeah, so I'm on ccelung.com, C-E-C-E-L-E-U-N-G.com. And in there, there is the link to go to the book website and the podcast. And the book actually has its own website. It's called DearAccountantBook.com. And then I'm also active on LinkedIn if people wanted to connect with me and find out more about the books and podcasts. Wonderful, wonderful. And for the audience, by the way, I checked out the book and there's two people in there that have been previous guests on this show, but everyone else is someone you've never heard of, at least on this program. So I never heard from. So please, I do recommend you check that out. There's some really, really great stories in there. Well, thank you, Cece. I really appreciate you spending the time. I love the title of your book. I I think you're doing a good thing for the profession. and, And thank you so much for spending your time with us today. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having me, Mark. Well, that was my interview with CC Lung. And as you probably can tell, I record these outros later on after I've had time to sort of sit with the interview and think through it and really get a handle on my own feelings about what stuck out for me. And 
In this interview, I think it's a couple things. Number one, I really enjoyed the dynamic story, you know, the dynamic nature of Cece's career. If you look her up online, you'll see that each position she's held, and she's done many things, each position she's held has just been increasing responsibility and giving her increasing growth in her career. She's had a very dynamic career, and I really enjoyed the story of that. And then secondly, I think books on the accounting profession are extremely important. They're important for us as accountants, and they're important for society. We've had a couple other authors on the show as well. And the fact is, the accounting profession, just in general society and general media, doesn't get that many props, so to speak. And it really can be a wonderful way to make a living and develop a career. So I always enjoy anyone or the story of anyone that is helping get that message out as well. That is just beautiful. Well, that wraps up another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. If there's anything I can personally do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA and I'll pop right up. Well, we'll see you all next week when we have another exciting and interesting story of another successful accountant for you here on the show. Because after all, this is Where Accountants Go. Where Accountants Go.